I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. After the apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season one, episode seven. Home again. The skies were darkening now as Janet eased the Range Rover onto the entrance wrap to the expressway. Her hands trembled as she gripped the steering wheel hard, adrenaline still pumping through her body. That man just committed murder right in front of me, she said, not sure if she could believe it. What the hell was going on? What was this nightmare? Was it like this everywhere? Focus, Janet! She barked out loud like a drill sergeant, mentally slapping herself. You have to find some diesel and get to where you're going. She had to hold it together. She was the one who always held it together when everyone else was panicking. She thought of her parents. She bore down for several long miles to the next exit where she found a strip of small businesses. She pulled around back and found what she was looking for, a handful of large delivery vans parked in a row at some sort of carpet installation place. The wind was really picking up now, and she could smell the rain thick in the air with a hint of acrid smoke. She'd have to hurry to beat the rain. To be safe, she made sure to position the car behind the one van that sat beneath the cover of a rusting awning. Let's see what we can find, she told her overtired self, pulling the cans and siphon hose from the back of the Range Rover. After snaking the hose into the van's tank, Janet was able to get the siphon started with little trouble. She was glad this had not proved difficult and hoped to finish before the downpour. She was able to siphon enough to fill the Range Rover's tank. As she hurried to add a few more gallons to the plastic cans for reserve, the first large drops began to splatter loudly on the metal roof above. She topped off the final can, secured the cap, and turned to load the car. But not before the heavy stuff came. Oh, and it came... Janet stood under the safety of the awnings as the heavens opened up and the rain fell in torrents. As she took in the full force of the downpour, a wave of exhaustion hit and overwhelmed her. It had been a nightmare of a day, filled with physical and psychological trauma. She had been knocked out of balance. Her hard-fought reality had been smashed. Janet stood here, now wallowing in the rubble of that destruction. The deaths, the driving, the store, the murderous looters, 
and the sickness still haunting her body. She'd need to be careful, especially with her penchant for pushing herself too hard. She could push herself over the edge. She may have already. Janet Kramer, known as K.J. the Killer, was losing her mental battle with reality. She wanted to push on through the night to her parents' home, the house she grew up in, but thought better of it. Some of the old Janet was there to manage the frayed emotions and think rationally. She had to sleep. She wasn't sure if she could sleep, but she'd have to try. Janet took full advantage of a lull in the downpour and hurried to load the cans in the back of her car. She made her way around to the driver's seat. She continued through the strip of parking lots behind the businesses and eased the big car into a secluded spot that promised relative safety. Janet locked the doors and warily crawled her way into the back seats. She unbuckled her youngest's car seat, still there from that other life before the sniper began. She willed herself to move past the emotions that welled up inside of her. Her rational mind was telling her she didn't need it anymore. But it felt like it weighed a thousand pounds as she lifted it into the back. A few stale Cheerios and gummy bears scattered as she set it down. The moment lingered with her and brought a new layer of exhaustion as she laid down and gave herself up to the soft leather seats. The storm raged outside. Gusts of wind and rain rocked the big car as Janet Kramer, an exhausted shell of the woman she had been just a few weeks earlier, pulled her sweatshirt hood tight and drifted off into a fitful sleep. This was not the deep sleep of peaceful exhaustion, it was a sleep punctuated with frenetic waking dreams mixed with flashes of memories. In some of these dreams, she was being chased and she couldn't run because her legs wouldn't move. Or she would have a gun, but the bullets wouldn't fit. She woke up trying to scream, but her voice would not come. As she lay there sweating and distressed from a particular nightmare, she thought of how she had ended up in the city as a corporate killer. It seemed like so long ago, like a dream itself, like it happened to someone else. How did a small-town girl end up taking down Fortune 500 medtech companies? Janet had always been bright, always been driven, but there are hundreds of bright, driven girls in rural communities that end up as waitresses at the local truck stop. How did she break out? What made her different? This was hardly a mystery. Janet was given purpose and focus after the unthinkably brutal mistakes made by the medical system and the death of her sister during childbirth. Failure to recognize distress was how they phrased it. She had seen how doctors and lawyers covered their tracks and no one was held accountable. Her path was set then. A switch flipped. Her unique ability to focus and finish turned on in response. 
That alone still doesn't get a bright, focused, hard-working young woman into the big city firm. The final piece fell into place at an illegal conference in Charlotte, where she was presenting a mock trial as part of a student group, and that audience was a groundbreaking prosecutor and future federal judge Deborah Deb Blinkell. Blinkell had recognized the talent and maybe saw a little bit of herself in this ambitious, hard youngster. The judge took Janet under a wing and set her on a path that led to the scholarship and placement. Janet had done the rest. With uncanny ability and ambition, she had molded herself into the most feared attorney in the medical malpractice and fraud partnership. Janet wondered where her old mentor was now. She thought about the last decade of single-minded focus. Was any of it worth it? It was all gone. Evaporated. Consumed by the brush fire of this plague, Janet tried to forget the memories and fitful dreams. She refocused on trying to sleep, to have the energy to drive the remaining couple hundred miles to her childhood home, to return to the place she had left a decade ago, left with dreams of slaying corporate dragons, to go home. The storm had passed when Janet finally gave up trying to sleep in the morning. It was starting to get light. A morning dove was lamenting the new day with its plaintive calls. The air was filled with that wet dirt smell that reminded her of the times in her childhood in the yard of her parents' home when a storm had passed. The last of the clouds were rolling by and the sun was trying to break through. She hadn't slept much, but she had slept enough to survive, slept enough to drive on. Even though she felt physically stronger, mentally she was still in a dark place. Janet felt like the last days had been filled with one dreadful assault after another. Each new day a further blow to her reality, tearing away at her battered core self, layer by layer. Janet rinsed out her mouth with water, wishing she had stolen a toothbrush and some toothpaste in the store. She thought about the day ahead, and she knew she had both enough fuel and enough energy to get to her folks' house now. She eased the Range Rover back into the highway for a few more exits. Where she was going, there was no interstate highway. She'd need to get off onto one of the state roads. She found what she was looking for, State Highway 347. The numbers in the white shield and the black background one of the innumerable two-lane blacktop highways that snaked from the center of one town to the next. These were the roads people used before interstates were built. She didn't need GPS on her phone to tell her that in a hundred miles or so, she'd get to Rutney Village, where her mom and dad lived in their simple country home. It was pretty country. The farms, the long, unbroken sections of woods... The road hugged around the foothills of Appalachia. She could almost feel normal again, almost breathe again. She passed through small towns where the speed limit dropped suddenly from 50 to 30 miles per hour. She found herself slowing down out of habit even before seeing the sign. The burned-in memory of local speed traps looking to boost the county revenues. 
Memories of a self-important county mountie or deputy moseying up to the car and saying something like, We don't allow that kind of driving here, ma'am. But would those local cops even still be alive now? Wouldn't they be busy trying to shore up what was left of the local government? Or would they be hiding out with their families trying to survive? They probably wouldn't be lurking behind a billboard at the bottom of a hill on the highway into town, waiting for cars with out-of-state plates to speed by. Like most of these small towns in America, the storefronts were vacant or reduced to nail salons and second-hand shops. The idyllic small towns of the 50s and 60s, nothing more than shells, left by Walmart and globalization. She once heard them described as bomb craters by some writer in the city. Janet came upon a town now that was particularly postcard pretty as she rolled through. It could have been any of the thousand similar small towns scattered across the back roads of America. Civic pride beamed from the brick-faced buildings, and old oak trees guarded neat sidewalks at regular intervals, like something snatched from a 1960s movie backdrop. This town seemed to still have some of its old enthusiasm about it. She passed a well-maintained fire station and a large, clean Baptist church, as if on cue the local courthouse came into view, bringing a wave of nostalgia. The Corinthian columns, like some squat temple snatched from Athens, plopped here to bring civilization to these aspiring citizens. A bronze soldier rode an energetic rearing horse on a granite plinth, frozen in time, celebrating some forgotten victory of great men. The nostalgia was comforting in a way. Janet noticed she was breathing easier. The weight was lifting. Why had she ever left this beautiful, peaceful corner of the world for the city? She caught movement out of the corner of her eye. Time slowed. She saw the brick as if in slow motion, cartwheel slowly through the air, skip once off the hood. Then, as if someone had turned the speed back up, there was a flash, an explosion of glass that covered the inside of the car. Instantly filled with shock and fear, she unconsciously swerved hard to the right and accelerated as a shotgun blast boomed close to the side and tore into the window behind her. Partly on purpose and partly in panic, she swerved off the pavement and over the curve that cut through the courthouse yard. There was shouting and another shotgun blast peppered the Range Rover. Jesus! She ducked and pulled the wheel hard. The Range Rover skidded sideways, churning up the well-maintained turf of the courthouse yard and rocking up on two wheels as she fought to bring the big car back under control. She managed to wrench the car out of its slide, but not before it sideswiped the granite plinth. There was a terrible scraping noise, and the war monument teethered, breaking at the horse's legs, not quite all the way through, but enough to leave it dangling, bent and deformed. The Range Rover gained traction and shot out the other side of the yard through the fence. The big car bounced back onto the pavement and Janet accelerated, weaving down Main Street and out of town. She was breathing hard and checking to see if she was hurt. There was glass everywhere and some indicator lights were red on the control panel, but she seemed to be okay. What just happened? All she saw was men in hats leaning across the hood of a parked car with shotguns. What were they trying to do? Did they think she was a threat? What the hell is going on? She thought, 
brushing shards of safety glass out of her lap. Even out here in the peaceful small towns, it was murder and chaos. She wasn't sure how much more she could take, and she was starting to worry about her parents and what she might find. Thirty more worrisome miles and progressively smaller roads brought Janet to where she grew up. The familiar trees and stone walls filled in her memories. Up ahead, the large red mailbox with an American flag motif marked the entrance to her driveway. As she pulled into the familiar long gravel driveway, she saw the tailgate of a vehicle sticking out of the bushes. Approaching slowly, she realized that it was her father's ram truck, nose down in a drainage ditch that ran alongside. Oh, my God! Janet gasped. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello from your producer, Chris. I wanted to check in, see if any of you folks need anything. Are you enjoying the story? I'm enjoying writing it. Stick around, see what happens next to Janet. And I really want to keep this going. But I can't survive the podcasting apocalypse without your help. And specifically, subscribe to the podcast, like it, write a review, share it on your social media, send the links to two or three or five friends, and finally, become a patron of the show. Go to Patreon slash After the Apocalypse, all one word, make a donation. That's really the best way to support the story. I'm not looking to make any money, but I do need help to keep the production going. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you folks for, how do you picture Janet? What's the what's the image that you picture, the physical image? I don't have any artwork of Janet. I haven't had anybody do that. But I envision her as looking like a, a badass Iron Man triathlete, right? So if anybody wants to take a swag at some fan art of Janet, I'd love to see it. And as we progress through this story, this will become a book. Of course, you know, I'm saving all these chapters and an audiobook. I already have an audiobook, actually, um, in another genre on Audible from one of my other projects. And it does get good traction. People listen to a lot of audiobooks. So if anyone listening is or knows any 
publishers or any players in the industry who'd be interested in chatting with me, feel free to send them my way. Last week, I talked about some of the Genesis movies of the apocalypse genre. And this week, I'll share one book that has definitely influenced the genre, and it's influenced me greatly. It's a book called Earth Abides, and it was published in 1949 by George R. Stewart. So the basic story is a man wakes up in a remote cabin, he's had a sickness, and only to realize most of the population has been killed off. And he doesn't die because he was bitten by a bat, if I remember correctly, and it gave him partial immunity. Why is it always a bat? I think it was a bat in all those movies, too. I don't know. Anyhow, the book is uh, very thoughtful about how the survivors would act, how the infrastructure would slowly crumble, how civilization would revert. And one thing I really liked is the central metaphor is the Golden Gate Bridge because the whole thing takes place around San Francisco, Berkeley. So Stephen King, you know Stephen King, he called Earth Abides one of his inspirations and the inspiration for The Stand, that book. And Jimi Hendrix said it was his favorite book. And I probably read this book 30 years ago. And some of the scenes are still very vivid in my mind. I'll have to read it again. So if you'd like to contact me directly, you can shoot me an email at C-Y-K-T-Russell. That's Chris, Yellow, King, Tom, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, two S's, two L's, all one word, C-Y-K-T-Russell, at gmail.com. All of this will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Be safe. And keep surviving. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.